You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to everybody at home as well. My name is Sean. I'm one of the members of the Crossroads teaching team, and it is our privilege once in a while when Pastor Paul gets to take a well-earned break to step in and take over the preaching duties. And if you've been around Crossroads for the last few weeks, you will know that Paul deserves a break. I can tell you preparing one of these is hard enough work. I think Paul did 12 weeks in a row. Paul, if you're watching, enjoy your holiday. You deserve your break. This microphone's a bit noisy. Um, Paul has been speaking to us these last weeks about the role and the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm not going to repeat everything he said. We'd be be here all day. But I do want to say this. When Jesus ascended to heaven to take his seat on the right hand of God, He did not leave us alone. He did not leave us to fend for ourselves. He gave us this incredible gift that is the Holy Spirit. And if we let him in, we have this extraordinary power that takes place in our hearts. And if you think about it, it's an incredible thing. There are more than 8 billion people on this planet, and yet God, through His Holy Spirit, has a way to be in a personal relationship with each and every one of us. We each have our own personal source of power, our own personal teacher, our own personal calming of the storms in our lives, and all those other things that Paul has been teaching us about these last weeks. That is the power, that is the hope of the Holy Spirit living within us. And so when we know those things, when, when we accept those things to be true, we have to ask ourselves, how do I respond? What does that make me do in my life knowing that I have this extraordinary power living inside of me? And to answer that question, I want to turn to Scripture. The very last words that Jesus speaks just before he ascends to heaven. We find them in Acts 1, verses 8 and 9. There they are. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then immediately after that, Jesus ascends into heaven. Those words sound very similar. They resonate with the words that Jesus speaks just a little bit earlier in his ministry and that we find in Matthew 28. We know it as the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them 
to, to obey everything I have commanded you, and I love this piece, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In both of those pieces, Jesus speaks about the fact that he has given us his Holy Spirit. He has given us his power. And what are we to do with it? We are to go and be his witnesses. We are, go, we are to go to the ends of the earth and to teach people about, about the love and the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is the bridge, friends, between what we've been talking about, missions, sorry, the Holy Spirit, and what we are going to be talking about in the weeks to come, and that is missions. Missions. We, we talk every year here at Crossroads during the summer months about our duty to be missional in this world. And in Crossroads, it's not just something we want to talk about. It's something that is part of our DNA. We preach about it. But also we have a dedicated member of staff whose job it is to ensure that we do it well. 10% of all the offerings that you give go to missions. And our prayer warriors, our prayer team that come together every Monday morning, they regularly pray for our missionaries out on the mission fields. Missions is not just some tick-the-box exercise for us here at Crossroads. It is part of our DNA. And as Will said to me this morning, it's time we talk about it again. Right? That's what we hear to do these coming weeks. And so this year, we're going to do it in a slightly different way. We're going to do it two different steps. The first thing we're going to do is we are going to interview somebody, either here on stage in person or through a video clip, somebody that is active on the mission field. We want you to see firsthand what it is like to be busy out there, being the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. That's the first thing we're going to do. And the second thing we're going to do, maybe you saw it up on the screen when you came in, we are going to look at some of the incredible conversion stories that we encounter in the book of Acts. Acts is full of these stories where the Holy Spirit comes upon people and dramatically changes the course and the purpose of their lives. And that is what we are going to talk about these next couple of weeks. Sound okay? Good. Good. So let's start. We're going to start by seeing a video clip from someone that you know very well. She and her family are very active here at Crossroads. I won't say any more. Take a look. I'm Manja Verboom, I'm from the Netherlands and I've been coming to Crossroads for a long, long time. In September 22 and May last year, so 23, uh, I went with the organization Neighbors to Nations, N2N, um, to Kurdistan, Iraq. In the camp, it's 20,000 people who live in tents in the camp, so it's a huge camp. Um, the, um, UNHCR set up this camp in 2014 when ISIS came into the country, so a lot of people fled and they found a safe place here in this camp. And there was two medical clinics that they were uh, set up in the camp. 
the clinics were closed uh, like three, four years ago, so there was no healthcare anymore in the camp. Uh, well, and still two beautiful clinics there uh, that were empty. So the organization um, came and asked after a lot of political like conversation and building trust to open the clinics again. And one of the clinics is allowed to be open, I think, two times a year now. So it's, it's a start. And this organization goes there now two times a year in April and September um, to have this clinic open for all the people in the camp. I went for this clinic. I'm a nurse, home care nurse. And um, yeah, I was part of the nurses there. So we went with five doctors, five nurses, dentists, uh, pharmacists, and we have this clinic open for five days. And that's how we help a lot of people. Last time there were 979 people that came and a bit over 100 for the dentists. Um, Crossos is supporting me uh, financially, which is great. And I had a whole team from Crossroads, from the prayer team, um, and they were praying for me constantly. Um, so I send a lot of pictures their way, like every day. Um, so they knew what they were praying for. And the slogan of the organization, it's waging peace in a broken world. And I think that says it all. It's a small thing that you can do, but it's bringing like peace and love in this part of the world that seems forgotten because the government um, in Iraq thinks, okay, they're there and they're stuck there. And we, we just come to relieve pain and bring hope. spontaneous applause I was just gonna say can we give her a hand please <laughs> I just want to say wow amazing we know a lot about what the Frobon family and Mania do here of Crossroads but that that is being the hands and feet of Jesus in one of the most difficult places one of the most forgotten places on our planet and friends when you give as part of your offering you're supporting that when you pray you're praying for that and I want you to know that and I also want us now to take collectively this moment and to pray for Maya let's just bow our heads Heavenly Father from the bottom of our hearts, we want to say thank you for Manya. Thank you for everything that she does, she and her family, here at Crossroads. But in particular, thank you for what she's doing out there on the mission field in Iraq. Lord, as she plans for her next trip in September, we ask for your blessing over all the logistical plans, the visas, the political conversations that need to happen in order to even make it possible. 
Heavenly Father, we pray for safe travels. And we pray that you will use Mamia as your instrument in that really difficult situation. Lord Jesus, whether it is to share love or compassion or healing or just to show those people that there is someone that cares. Lord, you'll use Mania to be your shining light in that darkest of places. We ask this all in the powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Friends, I would ask you, keep Mania in your prayers. Thank you to the prayer team who are already doing that. But keep Mania in your prayers. And if you want to know how you can support her, there is even a way to specifically give financially to this contribution or to this mission. The ladies there in Iraq have been taught to knit certain goods. I think there was going to be a slide about this. Maybe not. There it is. Those things that you see Manya wearing, they are made there. And Manya brings them back and she will sell them through her online Facebook page. So... If you want to get involved, if you want to support her in that way, feel free to do so. Thank you, Manya, for being obedient to God's calling in this way. Okay, part two, conversion stories. To give us the most powerful of starts, we are today going to look at what is arguably the most impactful and dramatic conversion story in all of Scripture. This story is so important that the author of the book of Acts, Luke, writes about it in three, uh, three times in a great level of detail. Acts 9, 22, and 26. If you don't yet know who I'm talking about, we are going to talk today, no, not on the screen, we are going to talk today about the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus. And that's a really important story. It's important not just because of the events that took place there on the road to Damascus, but also because of everything that we know the Apostle Paul went on to do from there. He wrote 13 letters that we today find in the New Testament, almost 25% of the New Testament are from the hand of the Apostle Paul. We know that he was a cornerstone of the early church and he was vital in framing our Christian faith. The contribution of the Apostle Paul cannot be overestimated. And that is why he is, his conversion story is, in my mind, the right place to start the series. And when we want to understand the significance of his story, we first need to go a little bit back in time. We first need to look at where he comes from. There's a map up on the screen, what will be in a second. There it is. Saul is born, or was born, in a place called Tarsus, all the way at the top of our map. It is in today's modern-day Turkey. He was born there to a devout Jewish family. He is proud. 
He is committed to the Jewish way of life. Early in life, he goes down to Jerusalem, further down on the map. And there he trains to become a Pharisee. Evidence tells us that Paul aligns himself with one of the most militant and religiously zealous arms or factions of the Pharisaic traditions. We need to understand that it's not like Paul doesn't believe in the God of Abraham, the God of David, the God of the Old Testament. In fact, Scripture tells us that he believes in God with extreme zeal. Okay? He's fired up about it. He believes and he is willing to do absolutely everything within his power to preserve and protect the holiness of Israel. In Paul's mind, he needs to have courage. He needs to have determination. He needs to stand up and act. That is what being a Pharisee is all about. And he is really good at it. He is a powerful and convincing speaker. And when it comes to delivering his message, he's good at that too. And what is his message? What is it that he is fighting against? It's against Jesus. You see, in Paul's eyes, or Saul, as he's still named then, in Saul's eyes, Jesus is just an ordinary man. He's a guy that appears on earth and now claims to be the Son of God. He speaks against the temple. He speaks against the traditions of Israel. And to Saul, that is nothing short of heresy, of, of blasphemy, I should say. And he is fighting tooth and nail to stop it. That is the Saul that we encounter. He writes about it this way. Well, this is how he describes it himself. I was thoroughly trained in the laws of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. He's speaking to the Jews. I persecuted followers of the way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. That's from Acts 22. And in Acts 9, we read that Paul describes it this way, or Luke writing about Saul. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Friends, when, when Saul departs from Jerusalem, when he makes his way to Damascus, he is a man on a mission. And that mission is to completely wipe out the followers of the way. That is his mortal enemy, and he's determined to change it. Except then in steps Jesus. And we read about that, and it's quite a long passage from Acts 9, verses 3 to 19. It's going to be up on the screen. As he, so Saul, neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then Jesus says, now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound 
but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. So they led him by the hand to Damascus, and for three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink a thing. In Damascus, there was a man called Ananias. He was a disciple. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. I love it that God actually gives him the address. <laughs> and ask for a man, a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. But Ananias said, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But again, the Lord says, go. This man is my chosen instrument. And he is to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And so Ananias went to the house and entered it. He placed his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, he was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. It's a long story. And there's a lot going on there. And probably if we wanted to, we could preach about it for a number of weeks. But we won't. I want to focus on one thing, one particular perspective when we read the story, and it is this. Friends, when we, when we look at the story, we need to understand that what happened here was completely unexpected. No one saw this coming. If you think about the Pharisees and the high priests, to them, Saul was their champion fighter. He was completely aligned with everything they believed. And he was off on a mission to go and do more damage to those that followed Jesus there in Damascus. They would not have seen this coming. And what about Saul himself? He too was on that mission. He too left with fire in his belly. He would not have seen this coming. And nor would the followers of Jesus in Damascus. Right? Ananias says to us, but Lord, we've heard about this guy. We know of the harm he has done to your people in Jerusalem, and we know what he is coming here to do. I think those early believers were probably a little bit terrified and with good reason. Maybe they got together and they prayed something like, Lord, I'm going to hide. Just make it that he doesn't find me. Or maybe that something would happen on the way over that Saul would have to turn back and go back to Jerusalem. Or maybe even for the brave ones, Lord, give me the strength to endure the punishment 
that is coming my way. But one thing is for sure, I am convinced that nobody back then would have expected Saul to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus there on the road to Damascus. Nobody would have expected Saul to go from being chief prosecutor, chief persecutor, to lead promoter, to cornerstone of our faith. Nobody would have expected Saul to go from being filled with hate to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet, that is exactly what happened. And, and I think that's important. I think that's important for three, for three reasons. We need to understand it from the perspective of what it is that happened. We need to understand it from the perspective of who it's happened to, and we need to understand it from the perspective of how these events transpired. So let's take a look. What happened? What happened here was a miracle. A miracle happened in Paul's life. And I think what that tells us is that miracles happen in our lives here today as well. Think about it. The Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 3 verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. The words of Paul. When I read those words and I combine them with these events on the road to Damascus, I have a new realization. It dawns on me. I think when Paul writes those letters to the Ephesians, he's writing from personal experience. These are not just some empty words. This is not just some concept of our God is powerful. Paul is thinking about his own life. Paul is thinking about what he was and what he became. He's thinking about that moment when the Holy Spirit came into his life and from that moment onwards, he was able to do immeasurably more than anybody could possibly have imagined. <clears throat> I think the story tells us that. And I think the story also reminds us of some of those incredible events that Pastor Paul was talking about last week. When Paul was preaching about spiritual gifts, he shared with us some of the amazing stories, some of the miracles that he witnessed in his 30 years of ministry, in the lives of the people around him, in his church, and in his own life. I don't know about you, but I was blown away by the fact that Paul reminded us that he used to be Paul the stutterer. And today he is Paul the powerful and God-inspired preacher. Unexpected events, miracles happening in the lives of people that we know, that we love, that walk around here in our church. And so when we add all of that up, friends, I ask myself, I ask all of you, do you really believe in your heart of hearts that God is able to work miracles in our lives? Do you really trust him to do that? 
Do you really believe that when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, you are able to do immeasurably more than you can possibly ask or imagine and that that is true for all of us? Because that is what this story is telling us. That is what those stories that Paul preached to us about last week tell us. God is able to do immeasurably more. God works miracles in our life. That is why I think it is significant that what happens here is so unexpected. The second part of what is so unexpected, so unexpected is who it happens to. Think about Paul's track record. Okay? What he has done. I put to you that nobody back then would have expected that God would choose this guy to go on and do what we all know he went on and did. I even wonder if those early disciples, fresh from having received the great commission from Jesus himself to go out and make disciples of all nations, wouldn't have thought to themselves, okay, God, disciples of all nations, but this guy, Paul, or Saul, he's a little bit too far down the track. I don't think we can turn him around, okay? But God has other plans. I think God was looking down on the life of Saul and thought, I think I'll have him for my team. Okay? I think he saw his determination, his passion, his conviction of spirit, the fact that he was a powerful teacher, the fact that he knew the laws and the rules of Israel, and he thought, I will dramatically change the purpose of his life. You see, what we need to realize in this story is that when God speaks to Ananias, he says to him, he will be my chosen instrument. He is my chosen instrument. And God says that to Ananias after everything that Saul has done, despite everything that Saul has done, and before Saul becomes Paul and goes on to do all of those amazing things that we know he did. What the story tells us is that, that Jesus, that God doesn't judge people in the same way we do. God doesn't judge a book by its cover. Frankly, I think that's why God tells us don't judge because we so often get it wrong. This story tells us that for each one of you, but also for the people that we encounter out there on the mission field, despite what they've done, despite their lives, the saving grace of Jesus is available to each of them. God has a purpose for each and every one of us, and that is why I think it is significant, again, that these events are so unexpected. And the last one is this. The how of this takes place is also very unexpected, and therefore also significant because it tells us that our God works in unexpected and mysterious ways. Think about the metamorphosis that Paul goes through in this process. He leaves Jerusalem fired up. 
powerful purpose. He believes he is on God's mission. He is on the right track. And then in steps Jesus, blasts him with a bright light, off his feet, onto his knees. He's blinded. And then Jesus speaks to him. Jesus reveals to him the fact that he is indeed the Son of God. And then Jesus says to him, now get up and go to the city, and there you will be told what you must do. And I read that sentence, and I thought, hmm, why didn't God just tell him himself right there and then? He was talking to him anyway. Why didn't Jesus just say, this is your purpose. This is what I want you to do. Instead, he says, go to the city. He says, go and wait another few days. Continue to exist in this uncertainty, in this, in this state of hunger. Become weak. Rely on other people to journey with you. Rely on Ananias to come back into your life and reveal your purpose. And I think Jesus gives us the answer because Jesus says to Ananias, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You see, I think what happens to Saul in this metamorphosis, in this process, is that he has to go from year to year. He has to be knocked off his high tower. His purpose, his Belief in his own power is stripped away. And he has to become weak. He has to become vulnerable. And when that all has happened, that is when he is ready to receive from Ananias. But that is Jesus speaking through Ananias. He is then ready to receive his new purpose. The purpose of Jesus and his new power. The power of of the Holy Spirit. In short, the process that Saul has undergone here is a breaking away of the old so that Jesus can build up the new. I think that's what's happening. And when I understand that, I think it gives me a new perspective on some of the difficult things that also happen in my life. It gives me a new understanding on some of, the, on some of those difficult times that we too sometimes have to endure. You see, you might be on a path and you've slightly wandered off and Jesus will step into your life gently and sort of knock you back onto the path. But sometimes more dramatic change is necessary. Sometimes the path you are on, good as it may have been, has run its course. Sometimes the path that you are on, even though you think it is the right path, is not the path that Jesus has for you. And so what this story tells us, friends, is, and I'm encouraged by that, is that even when we find ourselves in those dark moments, we are not alone. We have fellow travelers. We have people like Ananias that Jesus sends into our lives to speak truth. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. Friends, if you are going through a difficult period like this, I hope you can take courage from also this story. Sometimes Jesus reaches in and he has to break down the old so that he can build up the new. I want you to understand that oftentimes 
the path that we took into a difficult situation is not the path that leads us out of it. That is what we see from the story, and that is, again, why it is significant that these events are so unexpected. Jesus surprises us in the story. He surprises us in terms of what happens. Miracles really happen in our lives. He surprises us in terms of who it happens to. A guy like Saul, completely on the wrong track. But Jesus has a purpose for his life. And it surprises us in terms of how these things take place. Because God works in mysterious ways, breaking away the old so that he can build up the new. Friends, as we go through our series on conversion stories the next couple of weeks, I think we will encounter many more surprising stories. Stefan is going to preach to us next week about the conversion of the prison guard, something we read about in Acts 16, verses 25 to 40. Go home this week, read that story, reflect also on this conversion story of Saul and, and make the surprising nature of the way God works in our lives something that we come to expect. Let us expect the unexpected. And my challenge to you is, my challenge to you as you go away this week, reflect on the unexpected things that have happened in your life. Those are your road to Damascus stories. When you're out there on the mission field, and that can be in your home sometimes, that can be with your friends, that can be in your immediate environment, or it can be like Manya, far away out in places like Iraq. Those road to Damascus stories are the stories that get to empower you. They are stories that get to give you credibility of the amazing things that God has done in your life. So keep them ready. Keep them ready so that you too can share the glory of Jesus with the people that you encounter. May you go out and make disciples of all nations. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.